Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents your two favorite retrosexuals, Kobe Knight and myself, and we are marking out the days on that magic school bus of professional wrestling history where we cover the important and not so important moment events in the world of professional wrestling. And this week, we cover March the 14th. And allow me to introduce you to the other half of our uh, our retrosexuals, the original retromaniac himself, Kobe Knight. What's going on, man? What's up, Dave? What's going on, man? Mayor over at Kicking Out of Two. Uh, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Um, I'm hyped for WrestleMania, like I've been saying. But now we're getting closer and closer, man. How about you? Yeah, it's not. It hasn't been bad. I mean, uh, I'll, I'm sure you know there's critics out there that will find the build up to it uh, as a little lackluster or piss poor. But um, there's some elements to it that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing the girls match, um, the stuff with Batista, uh, the, the the what what Kofi Kingston may or may not do involving the WWE title. So that's been fun. Know. Yeah, yeah, that's been a lot of fun too. So I mean, there's been some really good stuff I think along the way and. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to bring come uh, WrestleMania. Agreed, agreed. And uh, speaking of WrestleMania themes, I know you got some stuff going on at your show, kicking out at two. Do you want to let us know what's going on this week, last week, or next week? Yeah. Well, this week we um, we we unveiled the uh, WrestleMania MVPs Part One, where we marked down uh, WrestleManias one through seventeen, and Justin and I sat down and gave us gave our individual picks as to who the MVP was or what the MVP was of that particular WrestleMania. It could have been an individual performance, a match, a moment. The criteria was as widespread as the day is long, so we had a lot of fun doing that. Next week, over on Kicking Out of Two, we're not going to give you Part Two. We're going to save that for. Uh, you know, in two weeks, but next week on Kicking Out at Two, we're going to do a watch party celebrating the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania 10. Jamie Garabedian joined me recently. We sat down, we watched the event from beginning to end, had a lot of fun doing that. Of course, it's famous for the Brett Owen uh, opening match, the ladder match, Brett's title victory, so much more. So it was fun to go back and uh, Lex you know, and uh, Yoko. Yeah, Lex and Yoko, that's right. How could I forget the two title <laughs> matches that we've been actually covering on this show? But, um, yeah. you know, make sure you guys have your WWE Network ready to go for that watch along. You can find links to archive shows over at SoundCloud.com as well as our social media, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out of Two, as well as our Twitter. Our handle is at Kicking Out Two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. And I still got some bonus content coming for you in the next few weeks as we get closer to WrestleMania. So be on the lookout for that i'll be announcing more of that in the coming weeks on this show as well as on kicking out of two and awesome. uh yeah that about does it for what's going on in the the, the land of koa2 cole why don't awesome. you tell why don't you tell the rest of the uh the 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 retro maniacs out there what what you got going on well i'm i'm working on some stuff right now um as far as school and real life stuff so i've i've delayed launching all the podcast until we launch retromania pro wrestling podcast network officially on podbean and that is the thursday before wrestlemania right dave 
Yeah, April the 4th, we're going to be covering WrestleMania 9 at great length. Probably uh, regarded as one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. Kobe and I are going to go through Somebody's each and every match. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, someone's got someone's got to 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 bury the shit, or at least dig up the shit, and yeah. we're gonna be the ones that are gonna be doing it. And uh, you know, you, you might, Kobe. I'm gonna be honest with you, you might be surprised at you know some of my thoughts on certain aspects of this WrestleMania that that may I might I might not have a gig with you on marking out on marking out the days after uh, after Uh-oh. we get done reviewing WrestleMania Nine on April the fourth, which well, will we'll be twenty six years to the day. Yeah, it has way. a soft spot in my heart, actually, just okay. to be honest with you. So, All right, um, cool. I, I don't hate it as much as everybody else, but we'll look forward to that on April the 4th, like you said. And then April the 5th, what do we have for everybody? It's our top 10 WrestleMania rundown, right? That's right. You get you you give you gave out your top ten WrestleManias of all time. I give out my top ten WrestleManias of all time. We compare them, we contrast, and we relive the nostalgia and explain why those particular WrestleManias made both of our respective top ten. So that's going to be a lot of fun. April the fifth, uh, over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. And then April the sixth, we got some Gaijin Wrestling Radio coming up following the. NXT TakeOver event. We're going to cover all things happening there, and we're still not sure what's going to happen with the NXT title, right? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's 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 been a, a lot of discussion as to what they have planned for the NXT championship match. I'm sure they have to shift the card around just a little bit, but it's, it, I'm expecting it to be a very fun show in Brooklyn, in New York, uh, which has been like a second home to these NXT TakeOver events in, in, a, in, in a number of years. I believe this would be the fifth one that they've done in Brooklyn. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, it should always, be a lot of fun. Yeah, they always please. And this will be your first appearance on Gaijin Wrestling Radio, which I'm excited for you to join me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's a different world, you know. I mean, I try to keep up with as much wrestling as I possibly can between the current stuff and the older stuff and a lot of the other stuff that, you know, you're a big fan of, like New Japan and Ring of Honor. You know, it's, it's, there's, so, there's, there's only so much wrestling I can watch, but, um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I managed to listen to one of the more recent episodes of Gaijin Wrestling Radio, and you're... Uh, your ability with the details to lay all that stuff out and you know and, and the pronunciations of the names of these guys like holy cow man like I I, I would butcher it to death I, I personally I applaud you thanks I, I, I've been a I've been a longtime fan like I've said and I just want to I want to do it better justice so I hope when the launch comes we have the match of the month it's going to be more detailed with little audio snippets of the matches music a little more well produced a little more sharp if you will I want to do it in a good podcast form because we have so many wrestling podcasts that uh, are out there and uh, I want to I want to bring it to the the higher end of the production if you will yeah yeah um, I've yeah, and uh, to keep things fresh here, as always, I want to do a little housekeeping before we get started, and it kind of ties in with Gaijin Wrestling Radio and New Japan as well. Um, a couple things. On a past episode, I called Butch Reed uh, Hacksaw when I was talking about uh, Bill Watts booking Black Hacksaw and White Hacksaw. I meant Buzz Sawyer. Okay. I mean, I meant... Butch Reed instead of Buzz Sawyer. I'm sorry. Oh, you call him Hacksaw Buzz Sawyer? Okay. Yes, yes. 
So I All just right. wanted to clear that up. I know, I know what I'm talking about. And as well, Jeep, <laughs> Jeep Swinson, the guy that we mentioned before on WCCW, and uh, he made his appearance last week. Do you know who that is? I do not. Okay. It is Robert Swenson, who is an American strongman, stuntman, actor. Um, he basically made his appearance there as Jeep Swenson and then went on to be the final solution in WCW. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Um, he looked like the warlord a yes, little bit. Yes, like okay. a bloated yeah. warlord. This yeah. guy was huge. He also was Bane in Batman and Robin, the 1997 film. Yes, he was no the Bane. Kidding. Yes. You know Jesse Ventura was in that movie, too? Yes, yes, I do. So yeah. they have a tie there. Um, okay, and he cool, was James Conn's cool. bodyguard for a little bit. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. The ultimate solution, which I thought at that time in WCW it was the Warlord, but the Warlord, like, for some reason shrunk. Like, if, like, the Warlord, like, fell asleep in the dryer, like, you got the ultimate solution. He was he was James Gunn's bodyguard in, in Bulletproof. I'm sorry. He made another movie appearance. And he was also in No Holds Barred. He was? Yes. He was a pit really? fighter. So, uh, we'll oh, have to... the, the Battle of the Tough Guys. Right. Uh, sadly, he died at 40 years old. But uh, yeah. you Bummer. can only imagine why the size of him. But yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the last little thing. We recently said goodbye to two New Japan legends, King Kong Bundy and Dick Byer, a.k.a. The Destroyer. You familiar with both of these guys, correct? Uh, Bundy more than The Destroyer. Um, Little known fact, actually, this is kind of interesting that you brought this up. Um, A number of years ago when I was a kid, oh, this is... Christ, I think I was in middle school. Um, My father used to be a um, a, a bartender. um, And one of his customers came into the bar and uh, his his uh, his wife is was cousins with King Kong Bundy. And so he brought this picture in and the picture was of Bundy, like squeezing the head of this like young kid on the sidewalk, like outside the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And um, it turns out the kid that was in the picture went to high school with my brother, Justin, who uh, appears on Kicking Out It Too, and they were very good friends. Um, so uh, when, when, when Bundy had died, uh, my brother had sent me a text message, and he says, my friend Jesse, that, that's his cousin. I'm like, you're kidding. And then I put two and two together. Uh, at one point, Jesse's father, who was an attorney, had to represent me for a legal issue that I won't get into. But, um, you know, I, I had to connect all the dots. I was like, holy cow. I was like, King Kong Bundy's cousin's husband was my lawyer at one point. <laughs> Crazy. Small <laughs> so, world. Yeah, I know. Small world. Um, the Destroyer, don't have a whole lot of, don't really know too much about him. I'll be quite honest with you. Um, I, um. I want to say he was in, um, there was this video I had, I don't know if it was a DVD or a video, that he was in the video, the advertisement, the, and maybe it was like the extras for like Beyond the Mat, I want to say. Possibly. I mean, uh, I recently was on Movie the Podcast with the Mulhole Radio Boys, and we watched Ready to Rumble, and they showed him at the beginning. Uh, and a bunch of classic NWA wrestlers because it was a WCW movie, so I guess yep. they had the old WC, the NWA footage. So saw little 
few clips of him, but he was a predominant New Japan wrestler. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is King Kong Bundy actually has a bunch of matches on New Japan World right now. I think a couple of them are free for you to view. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, definitely check that stuff out. And Dick Byer was a legend over there. He wrestled with Ricky Dozan a lot. And Ricky Dozan was the god of Japanese wrestling, even though he was Korean. You know, long story there. But uh, it, Dick Dick Byer, the Destroyer, was uh, knighted by the Emperor once. You know, like this is how famous he was in Japan. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, definitely I'm going to do a Gaijin Wrestling Radio episode on both of these guys so look forward to those um and look out for those matches very cool very cool i'll have to check that out yeah so uh any other housekeeping from you uh, i'm i'm good on my end sorry about that i just want to no 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 sew, that's all right that's quite some all right i'm trying up. to think is there anything i need to address regarding kicking out at two or regarding us here on marking out the days uh no i think i think i'm good to go i, I think we can start by uh by celebrating a couple of birthdays this week uh two individuals yeah two individuals who are still living with us to this day thank the lord um March 14th, 1964, on this day, Brian Clark was born. Yeah, Brian Clark, uh, otherwise known as um, Adam Bomb in the WWF, which is one of my guilty pleasures. Uh, Wrath, uh, when he came over in that that whole... uh, I didn't like the Wrath with Mortis. I liked when... Wrath was like solo on his own. Mm-hmm. He um, had the little singles run, right? With like the, the singles run, yeah. And he had like he, an undefeated streak or something. Yeah, too? they kind of did like an undefeated streak. They tried to like you know compare him to Goldberg and you know do do that, and it, it was catching on pretty good. And then they fed him to Nash on the way to the the Starcade match with Goldberg, Look, and that pretty I, much. I got to get over on the guy. We were in the Fed together, and I mean, yeah. he dropped to me a bunch, so whatever. <laughs> But yeah, no, I thought Adam Bomb was cool in the WWF. Yeah. Just like the look with the name too, like how you know who who, who couldn't be intimidated? You know, yeah, 11 apparently years they old were for... big on him too. That he was going to be Hulk Hogan, Hulk, one of Hulk Hogan's opponents. Uh, you know that in, in WCW? Typhoon, no, uh, in WWF on really? on an episode of Pritchard, they talked about Adam Bomb being built up to be a guy to go against. Um, Hulk Hogan, much like Crush, much like Typhoon, guys like that that ultimately didn't really end up going against Hulk. Interesting. I never heard that before, and I, I'm a big Pritchard guy. I'll have to go back. It's one of the earlier episodes. Uh, yeah. Was it the WrestleMania Seven when they were talking about um, what was his name uh, when they when they Is were going to justice. No, when they when they did the WrestleMania Seven episode where they were where the original idea was that Tugboat was going to be the Tugboat was supposed to be Sergeant Slaughter as the Iraqi sympathizer. They were going to call him Sheik Tugboat. Yes, which I kind of okay. I kind of dig, but I don't really? know if that was the episode. But I think um, I just like offbeat shit like that. Um, no, that's cool. I like that story. That's pretty cool. I never knew that. But it's I think they, they, they definitely spoke about it on one of the episodes about uh, Adam Baum potentially being one of those guys being built up. Do you know that he was also, um, he kind of worked some enhancement matches in early WCW in like 1990. Oh. Um, yeah, if you, he's actually on a Starcade where he wrestles, uh, Starcade 90 from St. Louis, the Kiel Auditorium. He wrestled um, an individual who 
went by the name the big cat but he wasn't it wasn't ernie ladd it was curtis hughes i was gonna say curtis hughes yeah yeah and they had a match there and then i believe there was another pay-per-view he was on um and he wrestled uh he was in a tag with uh i think he tagged with with curtis hughes and they wrestled uh sid Sid Vicious and Danny Spivey, the skyscrapers, and they got mauled by them. But he was a big-looking, intimidating dude. And I thought, like, there was going to be some big things from him in the WWF. And even later in WCW, for whatever reason, that stuff just didn't work out. No. Uh, Yeah. Brian Clark. Happy birthday. Yeah. And the next birthday on the docket here, uh, March 14, 1979, Santino Mm Morella. Um I, I kind of dug Santino, like heel Santino. Um, I didn't really care for like when they brought him out as like the fan and jumped the guardrail and he won the title um, in Italy, like the the, the Milan miracle. Um, but I really dug his heel stuff, and I thought like Santino had a shelf life where he could have been a good color commentator or he could have been a really good manager. Like if they brought him back, I mean I'm sure he'd be a babyface now, but um, if they brought him back, I, I think that they could have got they could get him to like be like Beth Phoenix's man. Manager, you know, and, and the stuff he did with her too, with the with the Santina Morella when he dressed up like the girl to win the battle royal and all the other stuff. Like I thought he was hilarious. My favorite, I mean, Santino's Santino's got some pretty good one-liners, but one of my favorite moments was um, when he did the in-ring promo at Madison Square Garden during the 2008 Royal Rumble, and he mm-hmm. busted on like all the New York sports teams and just the way he did it, it was just so funny. Like I became yeah. like a Santino guy like after that, but he was he was hilarious. I thought he was great. Definitely, and props to him for sporting like a unibrow for two years for his gimmick. Like, wow. Yeah. You know, what, that, that's commitment. That's some commitment. Uh, I definitely, I when I started watching WWE again, it was around 2008 or nine, and I think they started re-pushing him again for his almost his second run towards the Intercontinental title, and I didn't uh-huh. know he had had the original run, the, the Milan Miracle, uh, as yeah. you say. Uh, I, I, I wasn't familiar with that yet. Um, so I was kind of pushing. I was like, oh, man. Santino would be a great intercontinental champion uh but then he needless to say got it as a joke um you know the honky tonk man gimmick and everything like that trying to match the honky meter yeah no yeah. that stuff that stuff was pretty funny like i said the stuff he did with the girls mm-hmm. um even the stuff he did with vladimir kozlov had some had some uh some some, some levity you know, levity levity to it yeah. you know and like brought like a comedic spot to the to the show he made you know kozlov look like um made kozlov you know more likable uh, yeah. who was at the time just a very serious character still will never forget the uh the cobra spot with ginger Maul. Oh yes, yes, yes. Where that was some the good recorder stuff. And the he charms his his cobra. Yeah. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, and even the spot he did with um, uh, Foley in the Royal Rumble. Uh-huh. Um, that was that was Sacco. fun too with the cobra and the Sacco. Yeah, that 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 was pretty cute. But good yeah, stuff. Santino, you know, good comedy wrestler to me. He was like a. Uh, how would I describe him from someone in the past? Uh, I guess you could say he was like a. Um, he he had like the bushwhacker spot, you know what I mean? Like the you know, after a serious moment, you put him on the card, like to kind of like you know bring some 
comedy elements to the show and to kind of, you know, get the crowd, you know, to almost like recharge again, so to speak, for the next big match. Like they, he was in one of those kind of spots, which worked. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, you ready to get on with the day? We have no deaths, correct? No, that you know we we are deathless today here on marking out the days for March the fourteenth. So that's a good thing, um, and we didn't have to shit on anyone on their birthday. So we're 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 ahead of the game this week. Yeah, not not yet. We'll see. Okay. All right. I, 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 I spoke too soon. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. The first thing: All Stars Wrestling 1981 from March fourteenth on the WWE Network. You can find this. Pat Patterson says he's not finished with Sergeant Slaughter. And he feels that he won that $10,000 from last week when they uh, had that epic spot. Memorable spot there, huh? Yeah, that was good stuff. Yes. And then we have the Moondogs beating Dominic DiNucci and his partner. And Vince says, I feel sorry for Dominic. Yeah, me too. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> After we go, we go, we're about to go to slow mo action, and Vince says, "Here we go to slow mo action." No, we don't have it. Any any matter, you probably don't want to see it. So uh, Vince is shitting all over Dominic Danucci. Nice save, Vince. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have Don Morocco, you know, hot on the scene here in WWF. He submits the Black Demon with his tongue. That's his tongue to Detroit. <laughs> Is that and Patterson? That, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Pat Patterson actually interviews Tony Gurria and Rick Martel, the tag team champions. And they're talking about seeing the Moondogs uh, scratching each other's backs in the locker room. Pat's watching people in the locker room. So did they typical. did they have to did they have to get an interpreter or a translator or something when Patterson interviewed both Tony Gurria and Rick Martel? It was Holy a little shit. messy. Yeah, it was a little a messy. Little. People stumbling <laughs> over shit. And then Pedro wow. Pedro Morales makes him. Uh, appearance here the intercontinental champion at the time he has a quick match with johnny rods and that's it uh and then we have fans throwing apples in the ring for a six-man tag at the end uh miguel cicluna the hangman and ron shawl are all getting apples thrown at them it's uh, some shit there but rick that's some old school heat right there you bring yeah. fruit to the ring yeah, Rick McGraw, Tony Gurria, and Rick Martell are going against them. Tony Gurria is the only wrestler in 81 besides Harley, Harley Race that I know with that many tattoos. The dude is pretty tatted up for a wrestler in 81. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Rick McGraw pins Ron Shaw after a suplex, and the fans throw apples at everybody in the ring, thanks to Lou Albano leaving all the apples out earlier. And that's Leave our show. <laughs> wow, that's uh, yeah. Crazy. Good thing I didn't watch that one. <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff with the apples for me. I was like, what the fuck? Eighty one? Like, I, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'm surprised they didn't promote like an apple picking match the next week. <laughs> All right, moving it's on. It's an apple orchard brawl. You know, I got a lot of heat. He's going to juice, brother. The apple's going to juice, brother. And speaking of apples, let's go to Madison Square Garden, the Big Apple. Uh, 1982, notable Madison Square Garden show, I will only say for the fact. Bob Backlund goes against Jesse Ventura, and he pins him. 
Wow. Ventura actually did the job. Look at that. Jeez. Surprising, you know, like, since we've talked about these old shows, it's like the champ usually wins by DQ or countout. But, uh, yep. yeah, Bob Backlund not, not, not giving up shit at all pinning Jesse Ventura here. Good for Bob. Yeah. Good for Bob. Don't think no shit from Jesse. Um, and, uh, yeah. All right. Let's move on with the day. WCC. Oh, before, before you do that, speaking of Ventura, you know, he's going to be appearing at WrestleCon during WrestleMania weekend. Okay. Yeah. Big, big appearance for him. Like he usually doesn't do conventions at all. Right. Yeah. He's, he, he rarely does stuff like that. I think he just did one. I think he did the, the big event in New York, um, not, uh, not too long ago. Uh, just like a couple of weeks ago, and I just saw an advertisement that yeah, he's booked for WrestleCon in in, uh, in New York City, wow. WrestleMania weekend. So I think he's charging something ridiculous, like 150 bucks to meet him or some bullshit. That's like a that. conspiracy. I, I didn't well, raise the real, prices. Like... The convention raised the prices. It wasn't me. <laughs> you know, uh, you, I, I tried to unionize uh, the WWF, and uh, Hulk Hogan, he turned on me. If that so were the I case, the to, tickets uh, would have been $5, but they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. See what happens. You guys should have listened. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on with the day. March 14th, uh, 1987, episode of WCCW. Red River Jack. Jeez. He's out here. You're really, you're really all about this guy, huh? This Red River Jack it's guy. It's Bruiser Brody in a mask. How can you not yeah. like it? Him and the Dingo Warrior team up. That's him and the Ultimate Warrior teaming up on this episode. That's like how I felt about when they had Hulk Hogan play Mr. America. Like, yeah, uh, like, come on, like, it's or when Dusty Rhodes was the fucking Midnight Rider yeah, or it, when Andre the Giant was the giant machine. It's ridiculous. Why not just have uh, Bruiser Brody team up with Dingo Warrior? That would have been a lot bigger. They beat the yeah. grappler and Bob Cat Bradley. Jeez. Yeah. And next week, Jeep Swinson is going to go against Red River Jack. That'll be a fight. Okay. That'll be interesting. There you go. The ultimate solution against uh, against <laughs> the uh, barbarian. The, the river of red. <laughs> uh, there's a special part of this episode where Bill Mercer tells us about Fritz von Erich getting his hands molded in brass at a museum, and they show how they do it. And there's like all these other like celebrities and historical figures that got their hands molded in brass at this museum. Just thought that was pretty cool. It's behind the scenes footage, you know, very 1980, you know, very up to date wrestling stuff for 1987, you know, behind the scenes. Interesting. About a yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Doesn't uh, surprise me, though. It's a Von Eric, you know, I mean, you got to gotta put them over somehow on the show. Yeah, definitely. You know? And speaking of putting over Von Eric's on the show, Mike and his fake fucking cousin, Lance. On air, <laughs> they beat Brian Adias and Tim Brooks, and uh, Brian Adias and Mike Von Eric are going to be going up against each other one more time. Don't you don't you forget that? We'll see. Maybe I don't know because Mike dies in April, so we'll see. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. 
We'll see. Sour grapes, huh? I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a product that is on its dying days here, and it's just very uh, interesting to take a magnifying glass and look back at it, see how much gotcha. they're trying to salvage everything. Yeah. Uh, one last interesting thing, their guy Steve Simpson. You have you heard of him at all? Another fake cousin of the Von Erichs? No, he looks a lot like the fake uh, cousin that was spotted out recently. Uh, <laughs> uh, bro, Matt Riddle. Oh, okay. Steve oh, Simpson yeah, looks oh. strikingly similar to Matt Riddle. But uh, the doppelganger of the bro. There you yes, go. Yes. And okay. he wrestles Nord the Barbarian, who is actually the Berserker. The Berserker. Yes. That's right. Husk! Yes. Husk. He's with Gary Hart. So they're uh, they're eventually going to build who up. wasn't with Gary Hart? I know. They're eventually, <laughs> I think, class. trying to build up to a Nord the Barbarian against a Bruiser Brody, like a Barbarian versus Barbarian match. That's oh, wow. if Red River Jack, Bruiser Brody, under a mask, gets through Jeep Swinson. Now, I have to ask you a question because you, you just brought up Brody and Nord the Barbarian. At one point, was Nord the Barbarian ever, like, portrayed or advertised as, like, a relative to Brody at one point? Or did they try to make him, like, a, like another Brody, like Brody had a, a cousin or a brother or something? We haven't gotten into that yet. He made his appearance here, and he wins with a backbreaker, and that's about it. Um, okay. So we're still—we'll see. We'll no, I wasn't sure. Honestly, I'm just no. I'm asking. I, yeah, I don't know, sure. know if it was in world class. Like, was it in AWA? Maybe. Like, I'm just kind of curious. I'm That's all. Sure. I didn't know if you knew that or not. But okay, let, let, let's continue on with the day. Sure, sure. Let's uh, go to WCW NWA, March 14th, 1987. It's gearing up for that Crockett Cup, which is, I mean, we got the Dusty Memorial going on in real time in NXT. You know, the real Crockett Cup going on. Uh, a lot of tournaments going on around this time, huh? Yeah, yeah. This, uh, the, Like we talked about on last week's show, everyone was involved in the Crockett Cup. I think even David Crockett probably had a tag team partner yes. in the Crockett Cup. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, all different kinds of tournaments currently in, 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 in wrestling. Like you said, Dusty, the, the Dusty Classic on NXT, the, the Crockett Cup that's set to take place um, with a lot of Ring of Honor guys. They're going to be a part of that in the fall. Or not in the fall, I should say later in this year. So um, they do the May Young Tournament usually in the summertime. So uh, tournaments have become a... Um, a very popular thing in the last few years in wrestling that they've yeah, highlighted very well, especially 80s, in WWE. Back to the 80s, yeah. Um, where it's it's coming around again, you know that cyclical yeah. thing that we talked about. Um, all right, so in in this episode, we have the actual barbarian making his appearance on WCW. Tommy Young. Yeah, he's with Bill Dundee. You come over here, you jack me off right now, easy way, hard way. <laughs> Um, well, guess who the referee is in this match? It's that it's that knockoff Hulk Hogan's brother that you talked about. Uh, the dollar store Hulk Hogan? His name is Scrappy McGallan. Scrappy oh McGallan, everybody. Okay. Because, you know, he should have just rode with Randy Hogan. That would have at least got him some more bookings. <laughs> the scrappiest arms in the nation. He's like the worst Hulk Hogan. He's like, he's like, 
He's 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 like if like, you remember those Dave and Buster. I think I've told this joke before, but I'll tell it again because it makes sense and it makes more sense in this case than it did before. But that that referee looks like like the the Dave and Buster's commercial where like they used to say like you bring your fun with you and it was like a shorter little version of you that they would like <laughs> like minimize on the screen. Like that's what Hulk Hogan did. He took Scrappy McDougal McDonald's whatever the fuck his name was yeah. and he was like brother. I'm going to bring my fun with me. And it wasn't Brutus Beefcake. So he brought the little guy with him. Scrappy McAllen. What you going to do goodness. when Scrappy gets all scrappy on you? It's Scrappamania, brother. <laughs> oh, well, I'll post the picture in the social media, as always. At Facebook. Oh, yeah. Uh, at Facebook, at Retromania with the W. So, yeah, look out for that. Did he wear his pants to referee the match, unlike some fucking people on NWA television mm -hmm. in recent weeks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he wears his pants. Okay. Where's uh, his pants are? Then we have a U.S. Tag Team Championship match. Barry Windham and Ronnie Garvin go against Ivan and Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch. And guess what? Pantsless. Pantsless Dick Murdoch. Well, That's what he has now become on this show. Pantsless. <laughs> he, he's... he's He's sand shirt without with this match, um, but it's this is not a bad match, honestly. Uh, Bobby Eaton at, comes out at the end with Jim Cornette, and he hits Ronnie Garvin in the head with Jim Cornette's racket, and the Russians, Dick Murdoch, they win the tag team titles. Wow! Yeah, they stole I it. I knew it. Do it. He's fucking screaming. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. Right, right. I'm wearing fucking pants. <laughs> yup. Basically. Uh, and then more stuff. Just go me. get over, Dickie. That's all you got to do. You got to get over. Get that little Don't Dickie wear no over. pants. You're going to go let that little Dickie Murdoch hang out, and you're going to get over. Trust me. Trust me, baby. Tully uh, Tully Blanchard, Lex Luger, and Arn Anderson beat a jobber team. They're uh, they're shooting on Ole Anderson after talking about a snot nosed kid, and he's not a horseman anymore. And Arn had to come to his senses. And J.J. Dillon is going to make a major announcement later in the show. And Arn says, "You turn your back on my family. Well, my family is the horseman." And uh, Arn Anderson, man, his very his intense, promos very intense this whole time. Unbelievable! Yeah. I loved I loved when Arn Anderson talked. He was like the first like bad guy that like I could truly get into with his interviews when I was a kid because he, he made and he's actually like a contender for Nikita's U.S. Heavyweight Title right now. And he's like he looks threatening. You know, he sounds threatening at least. You know, sounds like he's going to beat him. Here's a, here's a great quote from Arn Anderson. It was a promo we did on a Nitro once. I just I, ha I have it on Twitter. I, I retweeted it a couple weeks ago. It says, see, we are the original gang, and we're the most vicious in all of professional wrestling history. They send one of yours to the hospital, you send one of theirs to the morgue. Wow. I was like, oh, like, wow. that's just, like, and his delivery, his, the cadence in his voice, the tone, like, he didn't have to do a whole lot of yelling, but when he did talk, like, people listened. Yeah. And he's, he was, you know, he was truly one of the greats. I hope that his, his knowledge is going to be used somewhere, because unfortunately, he's not with WWE anymore but i hope hope somewhere he's there they're they're taking advantage of his of his, his expertise his knowledge 
Yeah. <laughs> um, later in not just any kind of knowledge. <laughs> that horseman knowledge. <laughs> later in the show, I will give you my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> later in the show, we have uh, another team announced for the Crockett Cup. It's going to be Lasertron, which we found out last week was Hector Guerrero under a mask. He's going to be teaming with the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valent. Oh my goodness, essay! We got it. We we got a Power Ranger and we got a Boogie and we got a Booger Man. Ah, right, yeah, that's right, Denny. That's right. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Can you imagine that? It's gonna. They're gonna get jobbed out the first round, definitely. Um, so that big announcement by J.J. Dillon. Guess what it is? Lex Luger on this day, March fourteenth, nineteen eighty-seven becomes an official four horseman very very cool actually um, full disclosure when i started watching nwa wcw jim crockett whatever you want to call it uh my first exposure to the four horsemen was with lex luger as a part of this group so i originally thought as a kid that this was the first and only four horsemen a lot of people do so that's yeah People forget, you know, about Oli and his contributions. Yeah. And I wasn't a big fan of Oli to begin with just because well, I thought he was fucking ugly. And even but, even you know. so, the Horseman only became a, a, a predominant figure because Greg Valentine and, uh, and Bob Orton left NWA to come to WWF. So that was Ric Flair's crew at first. It was Greg Valentine and Bob Orton. Can you imagine that? That would have been an interesting, uh, an, an interesting trio. Now that you, now that you, you, you make mention of that, didn't Bob Orton eventually become like Harley Race's like sidekick when they did that, um, when they did that angle where Harley Race put the bounty on Flair heading into that Starcade in 1983? Wasn't it Dick Slater and Bob Orton yeah, that were well, like Harley all Race? The heels, okay. All the heels ended up turning on Rick to make him a face, you know? Okay. So, okay. That's how the story goes, and then Rick needed his team again, and it would be a it would be people like siding with people, much like the Dick Murdoch stuff that we have going on with Dusty and Nikita, as well as Dusty and Nikita having their uh, their past and now their future. Now you know. So yeah. NWA always did a good job of that, like brotherhood story. Man, you turn your back on me, brother. Oh, now we're brothers, brother. You know, that's right, baby. You see, like, I, I, I just don't understand why you would thought it make me sick to my stomach. My gut turn over every single morning when I wake it up does. in the bed. Every time I look in the television screen, I see the Dickie Murdoch with no pants on standing next to a couple of communists. You're lucky like, you can even just, see your Dickie Murdoch. Yeah, like I mean that 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 old lady Mumu hanging over his little dicky Murdoch. You can't you you couldn't turn all the lights on to find that little thing if you know what I mean, baby. <laughs> yeah. All the lights on in the world couldn't find your little dicky Murdoch. Um. So Lex is officially a four horseman, and then Paul Jones comes out with his team, Raging Bull and Rick Rude, who are the tag team champions at the time. Uh, not the U.S. Tag Team Champions, the N.W.A. Tag Team Champions. Uh, Raging Bull is yelling so hard, the cut on his head rips back open. I'm not lying. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You'll have to post that on the social media, too. It's like, when you're the greatest, there's nothing left to be the best. <laughs> 
That makes no fucking sense. They laugh, and yeah, we have a Mike Rotunda match, and that's about it. We're going to see you guys on Sunday, Tony says, for their Sunday show. So this is the Saturday edition. They have a Sunday show. Talk about NWA and wrestling filling up a lot of time in the late 80s. Jesus. Yeah, TBS gave them a lot of leeway back in the day. I mean, and then, you know, that, that kind of transferred over to, you know, when eventually it became WCW. Um, you know, you would have Saturday night, Saturday night program. You would have Sunday in the morning, like the power hour. Or you would have like a Saturday morning show. And then you'd have like a Sunday night show, the main event. This was before oh like they God, ever did Nitro. Been, and then the, if I was a kid and would have known like all this stuff, like or had the access to like, I don't know. Yeah, I would have been all over it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, they, they had a lot of time to fill up, and, and that was how much faith um, Turner had in the in the organization to produce, uh, you know, uh, or have, have a, a bunch of content ready for their program. Yeah, I'll so. get it done now. Yeah, I'll put that Lasertron on there. And uh, you know I want to see Lasertron and that boogie-woogie man. <laughs> And then I want to see that Dick Murdoch guy with the no pants and them two little Russians. And then maybe, just maybe, we do a match where if he loses, he's got to put his pants on. He's got to have a street fight to put his no, jeans no, on. No, 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 Teddy, no, Teddy, 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 Ted, Ted, Ted. Go back, go back, go back to uh, entertaining your wife, Jane Fonda, if you know what I mean, baby, because it, it, it's not going to get over. Dick Murdoch with pants is not going to get over. Dick and Murdoch without pants. Now, that's, that. now, that's you can take that to the bank, Daddy. That's you can, that, you can go, I'm going to get that over. <laughs> Are you ready to move on with this day? Let's get some yeah, WWF. Yeah, where we yeah, Saturday right. night. Saturday night's main event. Yeah, this is the tenth one. Uh, this is actually taped February twenty first, nineteen eighty seven, but it aired March fourteenth, nineteen eighty seven. It's from Detroit, Michigan, the Joe Lewis Arena, brother. The Joe. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, this is a uh, this is an older one, and I didn't really remember this as a kid because uh, I guess I didn't see it too much. So it was cool to go back and watch this one. What'd you think? Yeah, this was fun. Um, the Randy Savage, George the Animal Steel with the winner getting the managerial services of Miss Elizabeth. Which is a little um, creepy. Cause she's like, yeah, that was a I little... don't know if I want to go with my husband or this fucking freak. Well, you know what the, you know what the, the, the most non-convincing part of that segment was, was when they opened the credits you know, for the beginning of Saturday Night's main event, awesome. she just like looks in, which she looks into the camera and like in the the worst possible acting job I could have seen um, in, in in recent memory. She was like, "Tonight is the scariest night of my life," <laughs> and then like they just cut to like someone else, like I'm gonna throw Andre the Giant out of the Battle Royal, brother, and I'm like. I'm like, well, you gave me no indication that, like, you are scared to begin with. And then, like, like if you want to make us believe that hunk of bullshit that came out of her mouth, you know, you, you should have at least had her act like she was scared when she was hanging around George and Steel Steele because they kept cutting back and forth before the match even started. I think they cut to Oakland, like, three or four times. He had to, like, interview Elizabeth with Macho, then Elizabeth with George, then Elizabeth by herself, and then fucking George by himself. Like, holy cow, can we get to the match already? Um... 
fun little match those guys you know they had good chemistry with each other um i thought the little lifeguard chair deal was kind of interesting yeah with uh with with elizabeth sitting there um but overall it was pretty fun um no complaints and uh, i liked the end when uh, savage uh, you know destroyed the lifeguard chair and he ran off with elizabeth um so Classic yeah that was savage pretty cool stuff building up yep. because uh ricky the dragon steamboat comes out to uh, interfere or cause a distraction, if you will. Yep. So, yeah. Building up for their match, gearing towards WrestleMania 3. And then we have a battle royal. Which basically was a, was a Hogan-Andre show. Yeah, we're going to square about. off in there one way or another. I'm going to get my hands on you, dude. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's good, Hogan. Um, yeah, I mean, that was fun. Um, and it was, you know, uh, designed to kind of give Andre a little bit more of an edge oh, going battering. into the championship match. Who who the hell did he hit in the head that busted themselves wide open? They were um, like stretcher. Lanny Poffo. Yes, Lanny Poffo got stretcher. And they out. put Lanny Poffo like on like the like the old like like a military stretcher with like the, <laughs> the white one. <laughs> there was no it like, was like cloth. Gurney. Yeah, it was like cloth, and there was no wheels on it. It was like two <laughs> handles, and two guys had to like carry it back. Like it looked fucking so silly. In the middle of a war. Yeah, exactly. Like like they like they stole the stretcher from the from the set of Mash. You know what I mean? That, that, that TV show Mash. Like, he's like citing off poetry, and then we get the Mash theme going. Credits. Yeah. <laughs> it was the worst Lanny day. Poffo. It was the best day. That's the. Yeah. The genius and his poems. Uh, the the <laughs> battle royal eventually comes down to Hercules and Billy Jack Haynes battling for that uh, full Nelson lock kind of here. But Hercules wins. Everybody hates him. So, yeah, he's a Heenan family member. Hot as hell at the time. Was Billy Jack Haynes hot? Do you, do you remember him? I don't really recall him. Um, I only remember him through this feud with Hercules. Same. Um so I don't have any real recollection of like uh, what, you know, uh, you know, you know, how long he lasted at that time. I could look that up. But I mean, he's he um, he's he's had issues with the company for he tried suing WWE or WWF and Vince McMahon like a number of times. Like he was big on the steroid scandal. He, he had made all kinds of claims. Like he, I think he tried getting money out of it more times than superstar Billy Graham did. Uh, okay. Um yeah. yeah, like he was one of those like bitter old wrestlers, and who knows what what's true and what's not. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was one of those bitter old wrestlers um, that you know just tried to make a buck off of them after his time had ended. Uh, but he's also pretty fucking crazy too. You go watch some of his shoot interviews on YouTube. Holy cow! Like some of the things he um, says, like are, pro wrestling only are pretty has wild. A new interview with him that's like recent from like the last couple of months. Heard it's nuts. Oh yeah, well, yeah. He's he's pretty crazy. But yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next on the card was King Kong Bundy with Bobby Heenan going against Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, Jake hits the DDT on Bundy after a DQ. But uh, yeah, Bobby Heenan tried to run off with the snake. And then Jake comes back, I guess, after like a commercial break. But the referee wasn't even counting. So whatever. Um, but yeah. King Kong Bundy making his appearance on this show. 
Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Uh, in interesting matchup here because uh, Bundy was heading into WrestleMania to do the mixed tag match with uh, the uh, the little people against Hillbilly Jim and his little people, mm -hmm. and of course Jake had the issues with Honky Tonk Man. Um, so they were on a they were on a, a path for that. Um, I felt like this match was longer than it should have been. Yeah. Um, I felt like it, it, I'm looking at it here the, the 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 notes and it was you know six minutes and change. It felt longer than that. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, yeah. but it it wasn't terrible. But I was you know it, it was it was what it was. Agreed. All right, the next match is it your first time? It's my first time. It's the first title defense for the Hart Foundation. They kept building this promo up of it's our first time defending our titles but it was kind of like perverted in the way you know yeah anyhow the yeah the 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 innuendo that they tried to create yeah i could see that heart foundation defeat tito santana and dan spivey boy what a fucking team that is a weird combination right? there um i'm only i only imagine that that was done because um uh this was right around the time when, like, I think, like, Dynamite was hurt, right, with with the Bulldogs, yeah. and they, oh, had they had lost the titles recently. Vacated them recently to the Hart Foundation, yes. So they did the yeah. whole angle with him getting hit in the head with the megaphone and everything, and yeah, yeah. So that's that. Uh, the Hart Foundation dominant in that tag team match, though. And then we have Ricky Steamboat going against Hakapoo. I, I fucking humble him with the Iron <laughs> Sheik with Slick. How does that fucking make sense? And how uh, this is probably the only appearance or only time they ever showed up together. Weird, right? Yeah, um, I... I forgot at one point uh, a number of years ago that Slick had managed um, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov as a team because I remembered Iron Sheik with Classy Freddie Blassie. Uh, that was what he was mo more famous for. Right. Um, but, yeah, that was, a, that was a weird combo. And, um, you know, Sheik, and, Sheik really wasn't doing a whole lot at that time, and Steamboat was well on his way to WrestleMania with Randy Savage, so I think they just tried to get, like, him on the card to highlight him even though he made an appearance in the first match with macho man yeah. but um it wasn't anything to write home about here either no number one yeah fucking jabroni steamboat dragon ricky i make him humble i fuck him in the ass and then i fuck his wife in the other well, ass if you were oh, gonna be truthful I... you would go you would go towards his throat because that's what ricky talks about in this episode he's like everybody's going for my throat Everybody wants my throat. It's very uh, yeah, that's right. Because the whole savage. I fuck show, your yeah. throat. Um, <laughs> so, uh, savage makes an appearance here, though, and uh, you know to even it up, since Ricky had done that to him, and anyhow, Ricky gets a victory, getting a big splash on Iron Cheek. So yeah, that's about it. Yeah, Savage was on commentary, and he, he got a he got a pretty big pop when he stood up. Uh, you know, when Steamboat kind of called him out, and I actually kind of liked. I don't know what it was about it, but maybe it was just the 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 area of um, where the where the commentators booth was. But I kind of liked that like center um, where the hard camera was, and the and the, the commentators were like underneath the hard camera. Mm -hmm. 
um, where they were positioned. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, it kind of it kind of reminded me a lot of like. Um, like uh, you know, uh, at basketball games, like NBA or college basketball games, where like the the guys are on the sideline, calling the action. Um, it felt like it had like a sideline sports kind of feel to it. I thought, and I don't know, just the way it was produced, I thought it was really good. I agree. You're like getting like a fan's perspective from the stands. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Very cool. Um, so. Moving on with the day, ECW 1995, nothing to see here. It's just a recap show. They show Benoit and Malenko beating Sab and Sabu and Taz for the ECW Tag Team Championships. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because Benoit and Malenko will make an appearance later in our episode in 1999 with a tag team. Huh. So, uh, ECW 1998. Uh, these started popping up on the network, and I noticed these on here. Uh, I didn't know that they had two shows going. Like, ECW had two weekly shows from, like, 1997 until, like, 2000. Did you know that? Um, I thought that they only had, like, two weekly shows when they went to um, TNN. Like they, would have, like, they had the MSG show, and then they would have the, the, the nationally... A televised show on, okay. on maybe, TNN. Maybe that's it. I'm not sure because, it, yeah, it's like there's... When I went to 1998, they have an episode for two weeks, you know, each one for two weeks, so, yeah. Oh, so they recap, like, two weeks in one episode? No, 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 I'm sorry. I, they have two episodes per week is what I mean. So, okay. yeah, I'm not, not sure. Um, but this episode from 1998... It has Jenna Jameson at the beginning. We all know who that is, right? No? Yes, yes, we do. Yes. Every every young every young boy's fantasy at one point. This was um, like the hook, line, and sinker for me for wrestling at one time was the women. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, who wasn't? Yeah. Who wasn't into it? She talks about head. Hey. Yeah. And they do like a long video of Al Snow and the heads and the fans. And it must have been some crappy 90s song that went over this but uh yeah then joey styles tries to be edgy but he's just an edge lord he's talk he's like talking about jokes and they don't land and he's talking about tony shivani and then he references doing coke and talks about jerry lawler and this is on the network yeah they're 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 reaching. I'll tell you that much. When it came to like trying to get attention and like really bashing the other product, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then we get uh, a crazy match with Van Dam and Sabu versing Sandman and Scorpio. Uh, Sabu jumps over the top rope and through Sandman and a table onto the outside. Then we get a total elimination to the Sandman, and then Sabu does an Arabian face buster with the chair. One, two, three. Uh, the team of Sabu and Rob Van Dam win. And then Bam Bam Bigelow, Bam Bam Bigelow as the ECW champion. This is interesting right here because I never saw him as the champion, I don't think. I saw like the one match that he had with Taz. But he's shooting a promo about being the Taz killer, and he's the biggest, baddest, toughest motherfucker in ECW. 
Yeah, we talked a little bit about this when we did the recap for Guilty as Charged 1999 earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Bigelow was kind of like, you know, the hired hitman, so to speak, for Shane Douglas to take out Taz. And there, there are two famous matches this particular year. One is coming up uh, at the one. One took place at the Living Dangerously pay-per-view, which I believe um, we'll be covering that next week. Um, ECW Living Dangerously. I think it's ECW Living Dangerously 1998. Let me take a look at my notes here. I, I believe. Me. I believe you're correct. A little off topic here. Um, nope, we're actually, it's Living Dangerously 1999. But at Living Dangerously 1998, it was that famous spot where Taz had him in the Taz mission, Bigelow falls back, and then go through the ring. And Bigelow ends up winning the match. Um, and then they had a rematch at the Heat Wave pay-per-view in August later that year where they did the spot where Taz kind of did like that tornado DDT to Bigelow through the staging mm -hmm. and it put like a big hole in the staging. So, um, some pretty fun stuff between the two of them. Definitely. And it was just very cool to see him holding the title and shooting a promo on their weekly show. At least for me, I didn't get to see this yeah. as a kid. So it was cool. Uh, that's about it. Let's go to WCW uncensored 1999. Sunday, March 14th, from the Freedom Hall Arena, Louisville, Kentucky. 15,000 here for this pay-per-view. Yeah, this was a, uh, this was, we, we talked about Super Brawl the month prior. Um, this was kind of, they were, they were kind of tying up some loose ends with that new NWO Wolfpack with Flair being the president, the issues with, you know, Hogan mm -hmm. and, and the, the new NWO. So seeming, there was a lot to. Seeming like they're going in a good direction for WCW at the time, correct? Yeah, they were, they, you know what, they were, I mean. It almost seemed like they were re rebuilding. They were. It, it seemed like they were trying to, but then there were times when it was like, "All right, same old shit again." Correct. Like you're using a lot of the older guys. You know what I mean? Like it was like they were trying to. They were in a tough transition. They also went through some injuries at this time. Goldberg was out with a knee injury. I believe Scott Hall got his foot run over in the parking lot at, at, at backstage of Super Brawl. So he, he he broke his foot. He couldn't wrestle. Luger had an injury. They they didn't know what to do with that stupid you know NWO, um, that new NWO they were doing, and they just had like a bunch of guys that like they had no choice but to use. Yeah. Um, and in a way, even though they didn't really know what to do with them. Yeah. And in a way, like Hogan is almost turning face here because the fans got tired of the same old shit and you know i, I don't know we'll yeah. talk about it as we get into it you, you ready to get oh, yeah. into it yeah let's do it uh the first match is billy kidman beating mikey whipwreck he's making his wcw pay-per-view appearance here it's pretty cool yeah this was interesting um they you know whipwreck was known for you know uh, his time in ecw being an underdog character and they were trying to establish him as a force in the cruiserweight division against you know someone who was very established in that division with billy kidman as the champion um pretty solid match to open up the pay-per-view um at the same time, though, there were times where I was kind of bored with it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just felt like they brought Whipwreck out and was like, boom, let's give him a title shot. Instead Correct. of, like, kind of you know, introducing him to the... Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I just thought it was, like, rather strange. I mean, those spontaneous kind of things work with certain guys in certain environments. Yeah, the match but is going to be very exciting or electric, like a Lucha match that we yeah. weren't akin to at the time. But um, 
we had seen those plenty. It's 1999, and uh, yeah, these guys were putting on a technical spot and a little, you know, back and forth reversals. But yeah, it took a bit for the crowd to get invested, and they almost didn't yeah. really at the end. You know? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. I was just like, okay, next. Yeah, Billy Kidman wins. Um, um, then we get Stevie Ray going against Vincent. This is for a spot in the NWO, NWO, correct? This was like to be the leader of the black and white, like which I thought was like fucking stupid. Which I, I, I really they mean were the all... black and white. I just didn't. I didn't understand it. You know, like they. Like I said, we've talked about this a number of times. Like this was the point where, like as a kid, I thought, like, all right, well, they're just gonna trim the fat of this NWO and get rid of a bunch of guys, like, and keep it just, you know, the that elite group that like did the the whole spot with Goldberg mm-hmm. but they 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 did this stupid thing with the other two groups and I don't know I just thought it was dumb and I was like nobody gives a shit if fucking Stevie Ray or Virgil the leader of the meat sauce mafia is gonna fucking become the leader of the NWO black and white like I just no one cared no one fucking cared next <laughs> Kevin Nash goes against Rey Mysterio. This is that rematch. Uh, last month, Rey Mysterio was unmasked. Kevin Nash beats the crap out of Rey Mysterio here in about six minutes. Rey Mysterio maybe fires back twice. Yeah, well, they had the, you know, the, you had the tag match where Mysterio was unmasked, and we've talked about that when we covered Super Brawl from the month prior. Um, and then... Uh, they had the match on Nitro where Mysterio got that like upset fluke victory mm-hmm. and it looked like they were going to do something with him yes. following him losing the mask, which I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I was very invested you know? as a kid, yes. Yeah. And, you know, Nash was trying to recruit him into the Wolf Pack and I was like, okay, like, hey, look, take an I easy could kind of get. Kid. Yeah, like, I, I was, even as a kid, I was like, I could kind of, even though the NWO was like, same old shit, I was like, you know what? I can kind of get behind Mysterio as a part of this NWO group because he doesn't have his mask anymore. He kind of lost his identity in a sense. Right. So if he were to join that NWO wolf pack, he could have gained some kind of identity in some ways mm. that's different from what he had with the mask. So, so that's, um, that's kind of a good note for why they maybe thought of the filthy animals then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In a way, like the filthy animals were like what the vision was the vision that they had for when they event when they unmasked Mysterio and how they were you know getting there with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean the match was what it was. It was a big man, little man match, and crowd seemed pretty into it. I'll say that um, they were into the action, but I felt like they were also very into Nash, even though Nash was the heel. Oh, true. I mean um, he's over his rover. In, at this time yeah uh he does the jackknife powerbomb to ray mysterio and he gives a look like oh fuck did i kill him no i didn't kill him okay and then he pins him uh yeah i just he squashes him with that jackknife yeah, yeah. um all right next match jerry flynn beats ernest miller and sonny ono were you a jerry flynn exactly. guy exactly no, God, no. Fuck. And uh, we've talked about this, too. Like, they put him on Starcade with fucking Finley against Scott Norton and Brian Adams, and they realized that nobody gave a shit. So what'd they do? Let's fucking put him on Uncensored and Push put him up against Ernest oh. Miller and fucking Sonny Ono. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no one watches him? Oh, let's try this again. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, he didn't even deserve to be on fucking Thunder. No. Next. Uh, the hardcore <laughs> match. It's a triple threat. Bam Bam Bigelow, Raven, and Hack. That's Sandman, actually. 
my my favorite match of this whole paper. It was really fun. I had a good time watching this. The only thing, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, as big as he is, had trouble going through the table twice. That's right. But uh, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, this was a crazy match. Raven was. Um, this was. He was almost on his way out the door here for WCW. Correct. Um, yeah, he would leave later in the year, I believe, in like August yeah. of 1999. But this but, was um, like the rebirth was, of um, him in D- WCW. This was like Sands, the flock. Um, he had visited his mother. He had this rebirth as a spoiled child. He would come yep. back a little more aggressive. His sister, they brought Chastity from ECW. Exactly. So she turns on fold. him and joins Sandman Hack, kind of. Uh, I had a little crush on her. Yeah, I thought me too. she was kind of cute. Too. She had some big honkers. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was really into Raven at this time right now, and uh, shame that he just went to WWF and then floundered over there. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really. I was always a big fan of the Raven character. I thought there was just something about it that, like. I even like this it stuff just, that like, they were doing. They just never followed through. Yeah. Like, the, eventually, like, you know, over, t- over you know, the next few months, he would tag with Saturn, and they would kind of be a team for a little bit, and I kind of liked that. I dug that. Um, and then before he left for WCW, it looked like they were doing something with him with Vampiro and the Insane Clown Posse, mm-hmm. and it looked like they were going to be some kind of stable. Mm-hmm. And then Raven asked for his release, and that was the end of it. But um, I, and I was looking forward to seeing where that was going to go, too. But I always thought the Raven character had a lot to offer. And uh, if you listen to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, he blasts it. He thinks it's, like, pointless and the character sucks and mm. there was just nothing about it that was, like, appealing. Mm, and, yeah. he's, he's and he just didn't understand really it. He drunk but, and then they record. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like when he did that table for three with JBL and Bruce Pritchard on the WWE Network. Have you ever seen that? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, he couldn't even keep his fucking eyes open. He was so blasted. I think they were. I think they were at the Hall of Fame. That's why. And he had a few drinks. I'm drinking. uh, uh, I'm drinking Cody Wild IPA or something. Yeah. Whatever the fuck. (laughs) Buffalo Bills Bullsack IPA. (laughs) Uh, Shout out. All right, yeah. uh, moving on. That's tag team match. It's Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. Hey, that same team tag team that I talked about from 1995. They're teaming up here in 1999. They beat Barry Windham and Kurt Henning in a strap match. Um, like, a, I guess, a lumberjack strap match, if you will. Yeah. Um, this, this was okay. The end, it seemed like the end would have been better if nobody botched like they did. Barry Windham nearly uh-huh. falls on his fucking head on the outside, and then Chris Benoit hardly reaches Kurt Henning with a diving headbutt, but he still pins him. Uh, yeah, it was a mess. I didn't really like this one. Yeah, this, it, it wasn't as good as the the the, the two fall match they had um, at Super Bowl no. to determine the champions. Um, the whole belt angle. I get. The, I, I will say, like leading up to the match, like the intrigue of like having, um, you know. You know, wrestlers around the yeah, ring agreed, with the belts agreed. was was yeah. It was it, there was some interest in it, but the execution just wasn't there. Agreed. Um, all right. Uh, so yeah, they're congratulating that that man, Chris Benoit, long overdue for a title here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
Did, yeah, was that the first championship he ever no, won in WCW? I'm pretty sure he was like a TV champion, and I'm pretty sure he'd been a tag team champion before, maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. We'll have to look it up. Um, I'll, look it up I'll look it up right now while you're yeah. So the next match is the worst dog collar match that I've ever seen. Saturn against Chris Jericho goes about 12 minutes. Saturn beats Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho tries to... The only good spot in this match is Chris Jericho like does a lion tamer, but he's wrapped up so much of Saturn in the dog collar, he's choking himself while he's, in the, while he's executing the lion tamer. So Chris Jericho has to let go, or he's going to choke himself out because of the tension on the dog collar. Pretty cool spot there. But then later, uh, he breaks the collar off. He wraps it around himself. He does a moonsault, which Saturn was supposed to move out of the way, but Saturn got hit with it. So they redo a spot where Chris Jericho just jumps off the top rope and lands on his stomach on the cage. And then we get that uh, Death Valley driver. And then one, two, three, Saturn wins. Uh, and there was no blood in this match. It was hardly used in the match. It just wasn't a good dog collar match for me. Uh, while you were giving that, uh, that, that, that stellar, um, recap. No, and I'm being okay. serious. I'm not, I'm not being facetious. I'm being serious. Um, I went to look it up and, uh, you are correct. Benoit won his first WCW championship, uh, defeating, I believe, uh, Booker T for the television title, but that was done at a house show. Jesus. They didn't, they and the and the thing is they didn't they they count it in the record books but they never acknowledged it on television. Oh, that's right because that was when they were doing that best of seven series and then they came back yes. a week and they were like, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Benoit is your champion now. And then later that night, like Booker T beat him for the belt. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh jeez. So he like won it at a house show, but they didn't acknowledge it, well, and then they he's were... true to his name, you know, yeah. not being mentioned. <laughs> but as far as the dog collar match with Saturn, um, I was kind of, uh, I was, I, I was kind of like you. I was a little disappointed in the quality of the match um, because they had a good match at Super Bowl a month prior, and I just thought the whole dress thing was kind of like, like you know, all right, they did it once, and then Saturn kind of embraced it, um, and I didn't think they were going to go further with it, and they did, and. It turned out okay, like when they eventually paired up Saturn with Raven, because Raven's a weirdo too, so they just kind of put the two of them together. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was it was it was it was sloppy. It wasn't their it wasn't their best outing. No, and even for like a dog collar match, like I'm saying, like I could have used some blood in here, but I guess Ric Flair was the only person that was allowed to blade and Hogan. Yeah, because they have a first blood match. So. Why have all these dog matches, hardcore matches, and all that shit, and a strap match, and then have a first blood? You know what I'm talking about. This is booking 101 right here, at least for me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, the um, you know the event itself, uncensored, um, was uh, had some intrigue to it because you know everything was you know not sanctioned or whatever they would have like gimmick matches it was like a precursor to what they do with extreme rules now in wwe even though extreme rules they don't really have that many 
gimmick matches on that pay-per-view right. anymore so maybe it's time to get rid of that one too mm-hmm. um along with the two saudi arabian shows but you know that's another discussion <laughs> for another day uh, but yeah um you know the 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 heavy use of the gimmicks here like let's go like before we yeah. get into the next match let's let's talk about it here yeah. so 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 kidman whipwreck was was a regular mm-hmm. match then there was the harlem street fight mm-hmm. with you know vincent and stevie ray ray mysterio and nash regular match the jerry fucking flynn match was a handicap tag team match i don't know what was so great about that it wasn't great to be honest <laughs> with you then the hardcore match okay that lived up to the name the lumberjack strap match that lived up to the name dog collar lived up to the name then we move on to booker t defeating scott steiner for the uh, world television title mm-hmm. Um, which was a regular match. Um, yeah, it really was. Just the basic of basic matches. Not their best match at all. They've had way better matches. They will have way oh, yeah. better matches in the future. They've For had sure. better matches in TNA together. Damn it. Yeah. This was bad. It's part of them. Yeah. It, it wasn't It wasn't great, but, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I just felt like... Um, it just wasn't there. I, I think like... everybody was done. They were waiting for that fucking steel cage match. Yeah. Because there were, there was a lot of there was a lot of like you know high spot kind of stuff going on earlier in the evening and you kind of slow it down. No disrespect to Booker T, but you kind of slowed it down with you know Booker and Steiner, um, and just ha- kind of having a basic match. I mean, it's kind of hard to follow some of the matches that have like heavy high spots like those the hardcore matches and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, and then the main event here it's a no escape steel cage match with barbed wire around it. First blood. Correct, and the yes. the winner yes, will you. actually be the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, and also the president of WCW for life. But here's the catch here, because you 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 introduced this match as a first blood steel cage match, no escape. They bled early in the match, I know, and, I know, I know. and and the match still went on. I know, I know. That's when I, this is when I was like, I had so much hope as a kid for WCW and then they would do this shit. I'm like, wait, what? Like, why isn't the ref calling this? What's going on? Like, Flair was busted open and and, uh, they're trying to like save it. Like the announcers are like, oh, the referee knows he's still got more in him. I guess. What, more blood? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, is fucking Charles Robinson supposed to, like, what, are they going to, like, put the blood, like, put the blood in a cup, and if it, like, reaches a certain line, or past a certain line in the fucking cup, then that means Flair wins, or Hogan wins? Like, and that was what I was going to ask you. Did the announcers even acknowledge, like, hey, what's Charles Robinson doing? They Why isn't he, like, trying like that? They did. They tried to. So they didn't totally ignore it. They they were they were trying they were they were trying to figure out what he was doing as the referee and why he didn't call the match. So yeah, and then it kind of like they tried to play it out like it was going to be a the man has to give up uh, after Hogan had bladed at this point because then Ric Flair hits the figure four and Hogan just gives up and the referee calls it or he's but he's blood yeah. he doesn't give up he's busted open you know he's beat the hell out of. So. And the crowd pretty much, I wouldn't say they shit on this match, but, like, they kind of... They did, but they were getting way, behind like, Hogan's fire-ups. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like they, like, they shat on the match, but at the same time, they were into Hogan. Yeah. 
Like it, it was really strange. Like it was so it, weird. The, the the way that they just kind of turned guys like that. Like because at that time Hogan was the leader of the NWO. They had you know screwed Goldberg and you know they were trying to take over WCW again. And like how come all of a sudden the fans just decide to turn Hogan? Like I didn't understand that. I thought it was kind of strange. And then basically after this pay per view. The NWO just kind of ceased to exist. Like the black and white guys, like they were like nowhere to be found. And then like they didn't really like acknowledge the NWO like splitting up, so to speak. Yeah. Like they just kind of went their separate ways. And did, you know what I mean? Like, and I thought for a group as massive as the NWO was and the amount of impact they had on the product, that they should have at least given them some kind of like closing, you know sequence you yeah. know what i mean or like a well, like a fi- there's some finality to the storyline yeah well it should have been what they kind of went towards this year like i guess road wild or hog wild at one point they would have hogan and nash career uh on the line and nash yep. and nash beats hogan and that's a great match actually but hogan is fucking back uh, so no Hogan be, Hogan beat I'm Nash. sorry Hogan beat that Nash I'm sorry That's and then Nash came back yes. a couple months later yes. yeah but that was actually a good match um I didn't mind it at least but that's where they should have built towards but we we've we've been through this through and through you and I about what they oh, yeah. should have done but uh, yeah or what they could have done but yeah overall this one again. I don't know. There's like a few gems. Uh, I don't know. Actually, no. Yeah. I don't know. The hardcore match. The hardcore the match hardcore, is the, about the, it for me. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah, in yeah, a bubble, I would say you don't have to watch this. Or maybe yeah, watch the don't, ridiculous don't. cage match at the end. Yeah. Yeah, watch a ridiculous cage match and then come back to us and try and rationalize what their fucking train of thought was for advertising a first blood match. And the guy fucking bleeds two minutes in and the match is still going on. Yeah. Shoot us a DM over at Retromania. <laughs> yeah, Are you ready to move on with this day? Yes, let's please. All right, <laughs> Sunday Night Heat, not too much to see there. Test beats D'Lo Brown, DQ, Al Snow... Uh, has a draw with draws. Hardcore Holly and Val Venus beat Billy Gunn and Road Dog. Uh, they're hot there at the time. And then the dark, the dark match for the fans was Mankind and Steve Austin beating Kane and The Rock. This was the house shows that they were running to at the time because I had seen WWF around this time in 1999, I believe. And it was like The Rock, Kane, and Big Show against or mankind against the undertaker and you know like they were switching up those guys at the top for tag stuff oh nice i used to like sunday night heat especially when they used to sometimes go live yeah um, this was short and sweet the day before but not too much yeah to see here. there were some there, there's some hidden gems on some of those old sunday night heats I, I'm, I look forward to kind of covering some more of those eventually down the line definitely because um, those those were a lot of fun all right, let's do the meat and potatoes of this thing since we're getting near the road to WrestleMania. Madison Square Garden, New York, New York, March 14th, 2004, 20,000 here, WrestleMania 20. Where it all begins again. Again, again. And again. And again. 
Um, yeah. Uh, this is one that we talked about on our episode, I believe, correct? We gave it at least a notable mention. Or um, we both yeah, put it up there in our tops, huh? Or what? Uh, this did this didn't make my top ten, okay. uh, but I believe this. I believe there was some kind of notable mention um, of this show um, by one of us. Yes, uh, I don't remember, but you'll have to find out April fifth <laughs> on the launch of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over at Podbean. So tune in for that WrestleMania Top Ten. Kobe and myself mark it down. We give a list. Uh, he has a list. I have a list. We do the thing. We do the thing if you got the guts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, opening match on this card, it's John Cena beating the Big Show for the U.S. Championship. This is John Cena seating his throne for WWE, correct? Yeah, he was um, he was well on his way. They were they they had you know they had plans for him, um, and uh, you know the New York City crowd was uh, into the you know the the, the pre match rap where you know he said that uh, Big Show couldn't beat him like a penis with an STD, um, and uh, you know Gary Coleman couldn't beat Patrick Ewing in a tip off because they were in New York. Had to make a reference to the Knicks, of course. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was what it was, but it was designed to get you know, to to really make Cena into a bigger deal, and eventually you know, this that th- that moment when he beat Big Show and became the United States Champion, that was his first WrestleMania, I believe. Yes, and the attitude um, adjustment they, on him is a big moment. You know, it's like the yeah, Hogan lifted him up, Andre Slam, brother. Yeah, it's kind of you're right, and kind of in some ways it is kind of like a modernized version of like a Hogan Andre Slam. Um, but yeah, that's following this. Eventually, he would have a great year heading into 2005, which when things really took off for him. But yeah, this was um, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, Booker T and Rob Van Dam defeat Garrison Cade and Mark Jindrak, Bubba Ray Dudley and Devon Dudley, Renee Dupree and Rob Conway for the tag team titles. I'll be honest with you, I didn't care no. for this. Yeah, same here. Um, it was a mess. I, I, I'm, I, yeah, it was a mess. I mean, there's four teams, and um, I would have much rather have seen the Dudleys against uh, Booker and RVD. Same, yeah. I thought, I think that would have been a better match. I think he was trying to get um, those new just, faces on the card, those guys that they were trying yeah. to Yeah, I get what they were trying to do, but, um, you know, it was what it was. All right, moving on. I want, I remember this one vividly while watching this one live. Christian defeats Chris Jericho. This was a good match. Yeah, and this was Trish Stratus turning, right? No? Or that was before? Yep, she did it. She did at the end. Uh, they did the spot where um, she was trying to help Jericho win the match, and she accidentally cost him the match. Um, and then uh, post-match, she goes to um, console him, and he's just like, you know, he's, he's not too thrilled that he lost the match and she was the reason why. And, you know, she's been the reason why that him and Christian have been fighting to begin with. And then, you know, she's trying to apologize to him. He tries to walk away and then she's like, fuck this. And then she smacks the shit out of him. Christian comes back and then they reveal that it was a plan all along, um, which I thought was a pretty cool turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that, um, as, especially in 2004, when it came to, when it came to women with sex appeal in WWE, it, it was kind of 
hard to take a hot girl like her and turn her into a heel. Yes. And the crowd kind of ate it up. I'm not going to lie. Like they, they, they booed it too. Um, they thought the turn, they, they applauded the turn, but as the beatdown continued and she walked off with Christian, they were booing them as they were walking up that I ramp. So, they, I mean, kudos. Go ahead. Kudos to her for being able to pull it off because, like I said, back in that time in wrestling, like if you were a hot chick and you you had a smoking hot body, you were just you know if you were a ten, a knockout, man, it was hard for you to be a heel because the the guys would cheer you just coming out based on looks. Forget about what you could do in the ring. No, agreed. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's just kudos to her for pulling that through and you know um, nailing that really. They, yeah. they nailed this whole angle. This was awesome. Um, it was a slow burn for a while, too. And it made you think something would happen. And then it never did. And then it ultimately did. Uh, it was a very good angle. Yeah. Oh, I liked it. I liked it the whole way mm -hmm. through. I thought it was really mm -hmm. good. All right. And then a weird one for me because of the placement on the card. It's Evolution, Batista, Randy Orton, and Ric Flair defeating Mick Foley and The Rock. Um, this match was, you know, at, at that time, I believe I was 21 years old when this, when this came out. Um, at that time I was expecting like Foley, he had returned after four years. Last time he competed was at a WrestleMania. He's teaming up with the rock. They have the old rock and sock connection kind of vibe going. I thought, you know, he was going to get his revenge after everything Randy Orton did to him, humiliated him, spit in his face, beat him up. You know, all the things that Mick Foley had to go through with dealing with evolution. I thought like for sure it was a no brainer that evolution was going to win the match or that evolution was going to lose to the rock and sock connection. Agreed. And, I was thoroughly surprised. I was shocked when when Orton delivered that RKO. Um, I was actually just listening to because uh, uh, Pritchard Show does a recap of this pay per view, and um, they were just talking about this match uh, not too long before I uh, started recording this with you. And um, Bruce was saying he goes, "This was meant to be like a comedy match or a match of it wasn't meant hmm. to be like this blood feud." And I was like. I don't know about that one, Brucey Poo. Like, I mean, they 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 made Orton, you know, do some really sick things to him. Yeah, and then Batista um, and Ric Flair involved with a comedy match. Yeah, like I, I mean, there was a couple comedy spots, like when Flair did the strut, and then The Rock mocked him, and then Rock did the strut in the middle of his people's elbow routine, and you know, there was some comedy elements to it, but for the most part, like. Um, I was, you know, I, I, I just thought it was, I, I, I was expecting it to be a little bit more personal, like a, per, you know, personal rivalry, you know, like maybe I was I, at that time I was expecting maybe them to find a third guy, like maybe, maybe Hogan to make a cameo Austin. to be a part of that team. You know, or yeah, I mean, he had his hands I full, know, and we'll talk yeah. about that shortly. But you know what I mean? Like, I was just kind of thinking that, like, yeah, but this, this is, was uh, very personal. It didn't it didn't seem like a, a blow off to a personal rivalry, and eventually it wouldn't be. So, yeah, you know, agreed. I, I think I think though this this would be better suited as the way New Japan does with their legends now. It's like a big th six man tag with legends, um, or mm -hmm. you know, you know, like how they have like. I don't know, to give you an example, it's like Tenzan and Jushin Thunder Liger and Yuji Nagata team up against, you know, like three other young lions or something, you know, like three new yeah. guys. 
you know, yeah, it would have been yeah. something cool for that. But uh, I don't know. Just <coughs> for me, for me, I'm sorry. For me, it didn't deliver on what I thought it could have. Yeah. It was still fun regardless. I've gone back and watched it a few times. It's still a fun little match. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I just thought because the way it was built up between Foley and Orton and how personal it was that, like, it was going to be a little bit more the intensity was going to be there, you know, and I didn't, I felt like it lacked that in some ways. Okay. Uh, next is actually legends against newcomers, if you will, Sable and Tori defeating Miss Jackie and Stacy Keebler. The only thing that was legendary during this match was the fucking boner. I was sporting one and these <laughs> girls were in there. It was in their lingerie at 21 years old. <laughs> And I had to hide it from my girlfriend at the time who was watching this with me. Corey Wilson had just made her appearance in WCW 1999 edition, or last month, the one that we had uh, covered, that event that we covered where she made her appearance. Now she's here wrestling in a tag team match at WrestleMania. And this year's WrestleMania, she will be going into the Hall of Fame. Time is a a flat circle jerk. Um, uh, I I think we talked about it. I don't think she deserves her place in the Hall of Fame. But everybody always says Coco's in. But then again, uh, I don't know. Coco. But it's not a Hall of Fame. Coco wrestled. Yeah. We talked about it. And I think she's just a good transition for fitness model, good looking, like Playboy model. She's the example of what they had going for, like, that formula. Yeah. I mean, if I hear fucking Michael Cole say that, like, she paved the way with this women's evolution, I swear to God, I'm going to fucking, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to be happy about it, whatever it is I do. I'll keep you updated as to what I do if I hear Michael Cole say one fucking word about this women's evolution and Tori Wilson being one of the trailblazers in the women's evolution. Because the only thing she fucking did, and she's a good-looking chick, holy cow, I'm not going to take away what she did. She's beautiful. She's a gorgeous chick. But she managed fucking Tajiri and, and, and Billy Gunn. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, does she didn't win a title? Like, I'm not discrediting like, you know, her role on TV. Like, she was a good valet. She had that good angle with Dawn Marie, with the whole Al Wilson thing. Like, I thought that stuff was pretty good. Like, and I'm the, I wasn't big a big fan of that kind of stuff, but I thought that stuff was pretty good. But to put her in the fucking Hall of Fame, like, I don't know. I just yeah. we're running out that's, of people. That's the old school. F- yeah, that, well, like it's a lifetime achievement award. It's not a fucking Hall True. of Fame. Like they put everyone in that shit. You know what True. I mean? Like the fucking janitor's probably gonna get a spot hey, in one day. That, you know what that's I mean? The thing, like though. when Warrior got inducted, I know we're going off on a tangent, but we do tend to do no, that. Please. You know, marking out the days. When Warrior got inducted, yeah. he was like, "I want the guys in the back, the people doing the lighting, the people back there that spend all their time, the people doing the production, the people doing the makeup, the people doing the catering, the people who set up the ring." To get an award. The Jimmy Miranda Award, he called it. Yeah. Yeah. I was at that Hall of Fame. uh, I was at that Hall of Fame. And I'm looking around, like, when someone's like, when he's like, the Jimmy Miranda Award, and everyone's clapping. I'm like, how many of you fucking assholes even know who he is? Like, stop clapping. Yeah, so now we have (laughs) uh, the Warrior Award, which is basically just an exposition type of uh, award to say what type of charity we're funding this year. 
I'm all right with that. I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't have to, like, WWE doesn't have to do anything. They didn't have to take his idea, you know what I mean? Well, and, they, okay. And, and, they, and run with it, you they know? They didn't have to take it as his idea, but they shouldn't have said that they took his idea and then not have done his idea. Like they've done. Granted, yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. I'll give you that. Like they shouldn't, yeah, no, you're right, because they did say that like it was inspired by like what he said in that speech. But you know, at the same time, I mean, it does it does send a positive message that they're you know that they recognize you know people outside of the business. Um, let me ask you something: if if they decide to do a Warrior Award, who do you think who do you think in pop culture and in society deserves to go deserves that award this year? Oh, the Warrior Award. Um... Yeah. Mm. David Arquette. All right, I got two. He'll get in the fucking celebrity wing before he gets the Warrior okay. Award. Um, if I were to put two people in, I'd probably put in. If I were to put someone in, there's two choices: either Matt Capitelli, who just passed away uh. recently, um, from the from one of the original Tough Enoughs. He actually won the third Tough Enough with John Morrison. Yeah. Um, he he had unfortunately died of uh, you know uh, brain cancer, mm -hmm. and then. Um, uh, that gymnast, that girl, Allie Raisman or Reisman, the one that's been like very, you know, speaking out against sexual assaults. And she was like, she spearheaded that, uh, that trial against that, like Michigan state gymnast doctor, whatever, mm. um, who's gonna, who's locked up for like forever in a day. Okay. Um, like she's, you know, she won an SB recently. She's been really big about like, you know, advocating like sexual assault, um, towards women and part of that whole me too movement i could totally see wwe bringing her on board giving her that warrior award coinciding with the girls possibly main eventing wrestlemania this year oh, yeah. it could be a huge pr stunt vince mcmahon if you're fucking listening you're welcome it's actually would be stephanie stephanie excuse me yeah that's right because fucking according to most wrestling fans vince doesn't listen to yeah, shit he's so out of <laughs> stephanie trips yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on with this WrestleMania. We get the cruiser. Yeah, we really went off the rails. It's all good. We, <laughs> dude. Hey, we cover we cover a a day of wrestling history in less than two hours, and guess what? We're beating the clock here. We, here we, we do go. it every week. It amazes me. Um, but yeah, we get this cruiserweight open challenge. What'd you think of this? Um. I, I thought it was interesting, the, 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 the concept and the idea. Um, you know, 10 guys, two guys start out. Once a guy's been pinned, um, another guy comes in. It kind of has, like, that little, like, so you know, fast-paced. Yeah. Um, I thought it should have gotten a little bit more time, but it's WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Someone, someone's going to get shorted on time. None of the pairings um, went longer than two minutes. Yeah, Sad. everything. Yeah, it was a ten-minute match Sad. overall. So it was it was like a minute and some change. Like each here, we can go down the list. As a matter of fact, Shannon Moore and Ultimo Dragon, a minute eighteen. Um, Jamie Noble, Ultimo Dragon, fifty-six seconds. Uh, Jamie Noble and Funaki, nine seconds. Um, 
Jamie Noble Nunzio, a minute 58. Uh, Kidman and Jamie Noble, a minute 45. Uh, you know, Mysterio and Kidman, a minute 16. Mysterio to Jiri, a minute 15. Mysterio and Akio, there was really no forfeit because he didn't even make it in the match because he got sprayed with the green mist. Mm. And then Chavo and Rey Mysterio, a minute 51. So you didn't even hit the two-minute mark. The long, this was like on, the on, on any spot. of the... Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But it wasn't terrible either. Like at the same time, like I don't think it was super oh, terrible. They did a great, um, uh, you know, lucha thing. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> I don't know. It was just so quick. Uh, I feel like Rey Mysterio only has quick WrestleMania matches. Yeah, the year before he had like what three minutes with Matt Hardy to open up the the, the match and at, at WrestleMania mm-hmm. 19. And JBL um, 26 seconds. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, but he had that great he had that great classic with um, Eddie, uh, Eddie Eddie at twenty one, which is like underrated, one of my favorites, and uh, uh, one of the the most underrated openers in WrestleMania history. But yeah, anyhow, so this cruiserweight match, yeah, it was it, it was a little car crash, so it, like it had that kind of element to it, um, with the very fast paced nature of it. But I guess that's kind of what the cruiserweights are all about. So um, wasn't great, but wasn't terrible either. Um, Goldberg goes against Brock Lesnar. Fuck him and Stone Cold Steve Austin is a special referee. This goes about thirteen forty-two. So thirteen forty-two too long. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, went way too long. Um, I really think the fans shit on it more than they should have. It was very disrespectful. Um, Oh yeah, was it? Wasn't anything as near what they did recently? The last two years. I guess that was. Oh no, they learned their lesson yeah. with the with, with the, the with the last you know the the, the last couple a couple of years yeah. ago when they brought Goldberg they back. They learned pairings, their lesson uh, and they met against each other. It was just perfect every time they nailed it. But yeah, this was not the, the Survivor Series and then WrestleMania. Oh no, this certainly wasn't it. Um, you know, and you had Brock who was leaving. Um, Goldberg was on his way out the door. Um, the New York crowds are very smart. They read it. They read the internet like everyone else. And so they picked up on it and they, they basically became the star of that match, so to speak. Um, and I wouldn't say I had high expectations for this match, but you know, it was a pretty big dream match. Um, Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, uh, because Brock early on in his career was compared to Goldberg. So, um, with Austin as the referee, I was like, Oh, this could, this could be pretty good. Like this could be a good big Haas match yeah. between the two of them. And you know, that, I don't know what they were thinking with the whole, let's stall with the fucking headlocks and the art and the, and the, the collar elbow, elbow tie ups. Like, I don't yeah, get what true. they were thinking there. Um, like, and do you, a, a quick question for you. Do you think this is maybe the first time notably on a pay-per-view or a grand scale where the, the fans have turned on something that dramatically? Um, I'll go back. I mean, I wouldn't say this, this instance. I mean, I'm was, sure the Anoki was... and Muhammad Ali they shit all over that. No, you know, but I, I'm I, saying no. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to two years prior at at WrestleMania 18 when Rock wrestled Hogan and the crowd was 
for Hogan and they turned on the rock, mm. but the rock got the fans back in the finish right. when he beat Hogan. Right. So, I think this was more I mean, something different. This was personal stuff. Well, well, again, the rock stuff was personal. Um, cause he was leaving to go make movies and we hated that. Um, well, I think also too, like Hogan, <laughs> yes, Hogan, Hogan also, you know, returning and, you know, he hadn't been with the company in over a decade like that, you know, kind of played into it. Like people kind of had that nostalgic feel with him coming back for WrestleMania. You could say that. And then maybe even like the rock Brock match from that SummerSlam in 2002, oh, yeah. where the audience kind of okay. like turned on rock there. Yeah. So on, on that kind of scale. Yeah. Those are probably the, the a couple of instances that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, before we got to this abomination with Goldberg and Brock. Yeah, this kind of flustered um, or fluttered or, or floundered, rather. It didn't uh, it didn't reach the higher peaks as those other matches did because the Brock-Rock match eventually paid off with Brock getting that victory. And then, you know, the Hogan yeah. and Rock match, like you said, they, they worked the crowd back. But uh, this, this you know what was, didn't You know what was bad about this match, too? Is that you didn't have a reason to care for someone because you knew both guys were leaving. Yeah, and there was so no it stakes was, it, really either. Yeah. It was just a, a raw guy versus SmackDown guy, and that was the end mm-hmm. of it. You know what I mean? With Austin as the referee. And the highlight was Austin so, stunning him. Yep. Well, it was a great way to like, all right, well, we got two, we got the two combatants on the way out the door, so we can't really put over one and, and or, you know, we can't really put them over. So let's just put the referee right. over, <laughs> you know, and it worked. So, yeah. you know, it was what it was. I mean, and that's the other thing. It was so bad that like, I remember a couple of years ago when they did announce that Goldberg was going to d- wrestle Brock at the 2016 Survivor Series. I was like, oh man, they got to do something mm. that. That, that to redeem themselves from what they did with that match. And I thought for sure that like, it was going to be a, I thought from a crowd participation level, that match was going to be a repeat Same. of what we got at the garden for WrestleMania 20 for a number of reasons. Number one, they were in Canada and Canadian crowds are very, very, very um, lively and boisterous. And they were not big fans of Goldberg, Canadian crowds, especially when they did did that angle with Bret Hart with the steel plate um, in WCW. So I thought, like, oh, man, like, they're going to crucify these two. Like, they need to come up with something. And they got every they (laughs) they beat everyone to the punch because they did that, you know, that that quick finish when Goldberg just kind of speared Brock in a matter of minutes. And that was the end of it. So. um, But, yeah, this match here was definitely 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 forgettable and uh you know something that doesn't get talked about very fondly um all right moving on we have a fatal four-way tag team match for the wwe tag team championships hey this seems familiar oh that's right (laughs) mirror booking their shows uh kind of like they're doing now which i'm guaranteeing you the brand extension going to be coming to an end soon you really yeah, think so it's yeah. yeah we'll see they okay. go through these cycles i've i've seen th- two of them at least or three of them in li- my lifetime right yeah uh rikishi and scotty Tuhati defeat charlie haas shelton benjamin um doug and danny basham 
Bradshaw and Farouk. Six minutes. Crowd didn't like this. I mean, except for the spots with Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati. Um, yeah. That's about it. Yeah, I didn't care for this either. Then, uh, the WWE Women's Championship, a hair versus title match, Victoria versus Molly Holly. Victoria wins and shaves Molly Holly's head, correct? Yes, and I didn't think, honestly, that we would have seen, yeah, we would have seen, um, a woman get her head shaved. I really didn't think that they that that Molly Holly was going to go through with it. To be honest with you, I thought she was going to sneak away with the victory. Um, I read an interview with her once where they they didn't have anything planned for her and and like the women's title match itself. Like they weren't going to do a women's title match. They were just going to do that like bikini match they did or that lingerie match, whatever it was earlier in the night. And she fought hard to get on the card and she said what if we did a storyline where i shave my head if i lose the title and they 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 said okay done deal and they put her on wrestlemania well it worked yeah and she made it work with the short hair she was hot with it i wouldn't say she was hot with it but i mean you know teach his own but it it, it did it did catch it did it did get attention yes. which you know that's what you want in that wrestling. was that or TV yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and not a bad match either, honestly. No, 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 certainly not. These, um, the, these those two, two could those two could yeah. wrestle. They, they were they were they were sound female wrestlers, um, and uh, yeah. So I mean, the, it wasn't it, from a technical standpoint, it wasn't a disappointment. And the payoff in the end with the the the, the head shaving, like even on the commentary too, like they couldn't believe that she was getting her head yeah. shaved. Like, you know, so I thought that was kind of cool that they were like the way that they sold it, mm-hmm. too. And even they sold it to the point where, where where it rolled into this next match where she's still getting her head shaved and Kurt Angle comes out and he's going to wrestle Eddie Guerrero for the WWE Championship with Eddie Guerrero coming out the victor. Oh, yeah, um, man. This was a technical one to speak of technical phenomena. Yeah, I love this match. Classic, man. This is a great match. Yeah, this is a great match. Um I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. The finish at the end with the Eddie Eddie getting rid of the boot and tricking Kurt Angle and rolling him up and had his feet on the ropes. It was just some some really good stuff. I I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, this a lot. is sadly for me, man. These were the dark days where I wasn't. I took that little lapse from like '04 to '07, and I missed uh, Eddie Guerrero like peaking. Um, cut. What the fuck were you thinking? I, I watched like the WrestleMania, <laughs> you know, and SummerSlam stuff yeah. like that with the neighbors, but I was just so busy yeah. with pussy. I'm sorry. I was just uh so busy with uh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um but this is like this is a classic man. This is why like younger Latino kids love Eddie Guerrero or kids that are my age that are Latino, like this is their legend. This is their hero because he was that guy for them, um, really. And, like, I just – the reason I brought up Pedro Morales earlier, it's because yep. Eddie Guerrero, you know, like – Eddie, you know, Eddie Guerrero exists because of characters like that. And Eddie Guerrero is one of those characters um, historically. Yeah. And not just because he's dead, but because of his in-ring work and his uh, on-the-mic 
and his charisma, everything. This is a classic. You have to go see this if you haven't. Definitely. Yep. Oh yeah. I, I would. I would highly recommend this match. Uh, a match I wouldn't highly recommend. Um, once the bell rang, was uh, the Undertaker defeating Kane in seven minutes and forty-five seconds. Everything was great about this storyline with the build-up. Um, and even the entrance with the return of Paul Bearer. But uh, when the bell rang, it was pretty much a done deal mm -hmm. for me um, as a fan. I do remember, though, watching this and, like, you know, I was really hyped for this, the dead man return because, you know, Undertaker had become this biker and he kind of was, you know, he did away with the, 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 the dead man character and he was bringing it back. And um, I was really looking forward to seeing what he was going to look mm -hmm. like. Um, and I felt like with this, um, this return that I was like, I was a little disappointed in how he looked. I was like, he couldn't grow his hair out any longer. Yeah, no. Um, he kind of looked like the biker version. Yeah. Like he looked like, he looked like biker undertaker cosplaying as dead man undertaker. Which he would go on to do later in his career. I mean, but, well, Yeah. But, like, eventually, over time, like, the, he would grow his hair out longer. Yeah, and he'd get into that zone. He'd embrace the character yeah, I more. I remember yeah. at the party just uh, being like, ooh, he's coming back as the old school Undertaker. I was like, ooh, this is exciting. And definitely this whole show for me, like, this was part of the reason why I was like, man, this is why wrestling, this is why I'm a wrestling fan, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this match, I mean, it wasn't phenomenal, but I... I, I I always like Undertaker and Kane shit because of the story. It's like comic book shit, you know? It's like that yeah. classic, like, I don't know, uh, Sabretooth and Wolverine. Yeah. So, uh, all right. No, I hear you. Let's move on with another Wolverine. Oh, actually, no. This is a... Uh, that's the end of the show. That's the end of the WrestleMania. It's <laughs> like... <laughs> really? Uh, Chris Benoit... <laughs> Man, what a fucking... Does your, is your check signed by no. Vince McMahon? Is that why we're not going to cover it? <laughs> is there something you're not this telling me? This is one me? of the best matches, though, uh, WrestleMania-wise. I think oh, we yeah. talked about this on our WrestleMania rundown. That's why we, we go notable. I think this is on my list, honestly, because of the matches. I should rethink my list now um, after we've talked about this one, just for those the Eddie Guerrero and the Chris Benoit moment here. Yeah, uh, Chris Benoit beat Shawn Michaels and Triple H in a triple threat match in about 24 minutes and 47 seconds. Um, man, and I kept thinking, they're going to fucking screw him. They're not going to let him win. They're not going to let him win while watching this live. And Chris Benoit was my favorite wrestler at the time, and I was like, he fucking deserves this. And Eddie being the WWE champion... Not necessarily the world heavyweight champion, but the WWE champion was something very special. But him, Chris Benoit, winning this world heavyweight championship was a, a, another note, too, because, like, that stuff with WCW, you know, the history there. Oh, yeah, the history that he had, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it was very well done. Um, even, like, the common thread throughout the night, uh, you know, 
where they where they showed Guerrero trying to get you know hype up Benoit in the backstage yes. area and 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 you know saying that like you know the other guys in the locker room they don't believe that you can do this you know they don't believe you can beat Triple H and HBK you know and he was really getting him fired up and Benoit was getting pissed he was like no this is the Wolverine I want to see this is the Wolverine that I went to Japan and Mexico with and went to war with like you need to bring that Wolverine to 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 the main event and then you'll become the world heavyweight champion like that story was just so well done um you know back then like i was pretty confident that they were going to give the belt to benoit i was a big benoit fan because of his in-ring work at that time like you um, i was a big Shawn michaels fan too i loved the um the triple threat match uh, a lot of people will say that like oh michael shouldn't have been in the match it should have been a straight up singles excuse me um i had no problem with it being a triple yeah. threat um I really didn't. I mean, him and Triple H's character, you know, they had history with each other, and there was still some unfinished business, and Benoit kind of threw that loophole of, of you know, switching brands to get a title shot, and, you know, the stars were aligned. I had no issue with it. Um, my, one of my favorite parts of that match was at one point, I believe, um, Michaels was in the ring and he was covered in blood and Hunter was standing on the announcer's table and I think he had kind of like slammed Benoit through the other announcer's table and they just kind of had this like stare down and it was just like this very intense moment um, and Michaels was like come on give it to me give it to me you son of a bitch and he just got blood like covered in it and I was just like Phew, man like this is just the whole match was just great top to bottom and, and the, the storybook moment at the end with Eddie coming out and them embracing and everything the two of them went through throughout their careers to get to the point that they are at with you know holding the the respective championships it felt like a true like like era you know a, a new era was 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 upon us with with these two guys as the champions like you felt like you were watching you know something historic and unfortunately because of what um what Chris Benoit was associated with uh, in the final moments of his and life. What um, Eddie with the, Guerrero's death, you know, the momentum kind of switched to for Chris Benoit, I would say. Yeah, and like that moment just kind of gets tarnished and tainted, if you ask mm -hmm. me. Uh, definitely. But it, it was, man, I had tears in my eyes watching this. Um, it does still kind of get me teary eyed because the thought of what could be um sometimes yeah because these were like two of my favorite wrestlers um yeah uh, and i'm not just you know i'm not hit, hitching my bandwagon to it like the, a lot of my older friends will tell you like chris benoit was my guy um but yeah it's just um this match is incredible i think the the story with like you said, Triple H and Chris Benoit, that standoff there, it proved like that they had a story that needed to be finished being told. And Shawn Michaels being added to the match was just that extra oomph. Uh, I mean, yeah. Chris Benoit and Triple H would have been a good match, but still, Triple H in a main event spot by himself, sometimes those matches are slow and plodding. And Shawn Michaels kind of brought that extra edge i wouldn't mind seeing just chris benoit and Shawn michaels which we later do see right yep i believe they i don't know when they when they had a i think it's the month after or the month no the next month they had a triple okay, threat again right. all right so it's it's yeah 
And then Triple H and Benoit had a singles match in July of that year at Vengeance, which was in my hometown of Hartford. I was there for that uh, pay-per-view. Um, and that was the last time uh, Hartford actually got a pay-per-view until more recently they're going to have they're going to host Money in the Bank in May which I'll be going to which is going to be pretty Sweet. fun um, but yeah the overall like um, that moment um, you know at the end with the two of them and just the match itself and uh, yeah it's it, it made for you know a, a, a pretty darn good Wrestlemania yeah definitely um, and even like the the introduction of this new young blood, John Cena, at the beginning. Uh, it yeah. Told a, it told a oh, great yeah, story we... all the way through. This is definitely something I should have thought about for my my criteria for a WrestleMania rundown of top tens. Yeah, we got we we we, we, we can do another one. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We'll do we'll do uh, <laughs> next year. We'll do a rehash of like top three or something. Yeah. We'll see. Um, or we'll base the criteria on something else. We'll come up with some different yeah. theme, I'm sure. So uh, that about wraps it up for the day, man. What a solid day here at Marking Out the Days. As always, Dave, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you for coming along the magic school bus with me. My f- cell phone is going to die. So with that being said, what do we have going on next week here at Marking Out the Days? <laughs> Next week, March the 21st, we're going to cover ECW's Living Dangerously 1999, headlined by Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn for the ECW World Television title. We're also going to cover an episode of Monday Night Raw from 1994. Uh, it's actually the night after WrestleMania 10 when Bret Hart won the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Uh, we could talk about uh, Chris Candido and the fact that he has a birthday on March the 21st. Uh, the 1997 Slammy Awards took place on this day. And an interesting show that took place on this date was the WCW New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show in 1991. All of that and so much more next week on Marking Out the Days. That's right. And you can always find us at Retromania on Facebook with the W. You can write to us at RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at RetromaniaPod. That's Retromania Pod. And as always, we are going to be on Podbean. That's right, Podbean. We are Retromania with the W at Podbean. That's Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We have all things kicking out at two back archive, Retromania back archive, as well as the new podcast, The Run In. Dave, can't wait for it. Thanks for joining me this week. Uh, you got some stuff coming up, kicking out at two, right? And uh, we'll be with you guys WrestleMania weekend. Yep, yep, that's right. Kicking out at two. WrestleMania MVPs Part 1 currently available right now. The next week we're going to do our WrestleMania 10 watch-along. Hit us up, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. And the handle is at kicking out two on Twitter. All right, buddy. Uh, I'm going to get rolling. Uh, You have a good night. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. All right, brother, be good. See you next week.